Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast. Today we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. Welcome back to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is episode 30, part two of our discussion of chapter 28. So we are picking back up with Mare and Julian leaving the infirmary on their way to speak to the Barrows for the first time. Yes. And Julian is mid-chop busting (laughs) with Mare. And so she's distracted. She's really not listening. He's like, you know, just giving her crap. Basic, you know, dad, uncle. Right. Male role model type gruff. And she's looking around and noticing the faces here that she recognizes and how many faces she doesn't recognize. Lots of faces there she doesn't recognize. A lot of new people. A lot of new people. Some silvers. Yeah, some silvers. The only people that she does recognize with our group of people that are there are Ada, Lori, uh, and Darmian. So we don't have, other than the obvious, Cal, Kalorn, Farley. But they're not there. She can't see them. Right. She doesn't. But I mean, she doesn't know where they are. They're not with her. They're right. Doing the same thing as her. But and Cal went back to the notch, but we also don't know where Cameron, Nix, Nanny, Gareth, and Ketha are. So, you know, there's Mare's probably more alone now than she has been for a while, except she has Julian. So, yeah, right. But she's really kind of on an island here, and he's her life raft, and now she's got to go face her family. And deal with the fallout of Shade not being there. Yeah. Yeah. And she she says, I only have the strength to mourn the person I know for sure is dead. Yeah. So she's not going to concern herself with anybody else that, that she doesn't have eyeballs on right now. Like, I got to deal with Shade right now. Yeah. It's all she can handle is going and, you know, dealing with this. With her family. Uh, Julian is not allowed to enter Barracks 3, where the red civilians are stay. Yeah. And so, like a good field silver, he said, yes, Amasa, <laughs> and goes on back to where the, I guess... Quasi POWs are going to be held. I yeah. mean, is, they're is not really POWs, but it's just strange situation. I mean, I guess in this situation, they're refugees. They're political refugees from yes, the they monarchy. Are. They are, but yeah. but like the question is, how well are they being treated? Uh, some of them have pretty powerful abilities, I imagine. So they're probably being treated pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly being treated better than they were in prison, yeah. or True. better than a Reds are, are in Silver Society. By their time that they've spent in the Silent Stone, so a lot of them are probably just recuperating, right? You know, and just resting. So they've been through, you know, God knows what was going on there. 
at the prison, you know, what they were subjecting them to. It was bad enough to make Cameron, you know, basically short circuit and be able to get out of there. Right. So, you know, it was pretty, pretty bad stuff. Um, and Julian, you know, kind of mentions this, that Sarah is going through and, you know, doing what she can as far as healing goes. Um, but they don't want too many overpowered, underfed, and angry silvers in an enclosed space. That's and they have no reason fair. to make a fuss yet. So then I instantly had Jack Black in my head going, although use of the word yet would imply yes. that they are going to make a fuss at some point in time. Or had, that she or not concerned. used the word yet. Yeah. Or that they could. Like, right. they Maybe don't have any reason to s- now, but be careful not to give them a reason yeah. to. He's, he may have heard some whispers somewhere about something. We know Julian's really good at picking up on the whispers of other people. I'm not using that like as a ability analogy. I'm... Right. You know, Actually, he, he's, he's perceptive. He's wise he's enough. Got his to finger keep his, on the pulse of the silvers. Right, right. He's got his ear to the wall for what the rats are whispering about. Um, so, you know, she's like, well, I guess I'll do my best to try to keep those people in check. It's not like I don't have all of this other stuff to worry about, like not crying in front of my mom apologizing to Farley, figure out how to save 5,000 children, nanny a bunch of silvers, put my head through a wall. <laughs> Seems uh, doable. I, I feel that on I'm, a deep level. Wait till you have kids. And, and you have to do all of that and now be responsible for a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and make sure you feed it and stuff. Side note, you know, we were talking about what you do when you bring your kid home. Uh, yeah. And I thought of what the perfect answer is. What's that? You look at it <laughs> until it's old enough to tell you not to look at it anymore. Pretty much. Yeah. That sound, that sound about right? Why are you looking at me? You go from Mom having, staring at me. having to look at them to make sure, you know, they're breathing. Right. To them crawling on your lap and forcing you to look at them. To would you stop staring at me? <laughs> yeah. Why are you looking That's at the me? Circle okay. of life. Because you literally climbed on my lap for two years and commanded me to look at you. I, okay, you, but sometimes you, guys you would stare at me. This sometimes you would put your hands on my cheeks and turn my uh, face to face you because hey, you wanted me to see. And you. literally say, "How old look was at I? Me. How old was I? I don't know. Seven. Look at me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't, I don't even know. remember that. Three, four? four. I don't even remember that. Okay. Adorable. But now you're like, what are you looking at me for? Because <laughs> you guys stare at me constantly. Because you're still that little girl. We told you how this works. Grant's a six foot man with a toddler head. <laughs> to toddler me. That sounds <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Still has that little pumpkin head, baby face. <laughs> That's not what you look, you see when you look at him. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and she's still like toddling around with a binky in her mouth. Yeah. Wait till you have kids. What do you then? What do you see when I'm performing on stage? Oh, with giant toddler. 
<laughs> no, I see you in the little pink tutu down in Branson doing your little ballerina thing. Uh, no, I don't know. So when I see you perform now in, in the troop stuff, yeah, I definitely see. I have flashbacks to that, but I see you having fun. And I, that's, that's right. That's what is that's most what important. Matters. I that's see you happy important. now, and that's what's important to me. Anyway. Plus, I can look at you without you getting angry at me. Because I'm literally there to look at you. That's what I'm there for. And also, I can't see where you are. Right. Right. <laughs> Good point. Sometimes. I think sometimes you find us, don't you? I don't think I've ever found you guys. Really? Well, there not... There was one time we were in the balcony. I could have sworn you found us. I may have looked at you. I didn't know you were there. Ah. But... Was that the time we thought she found us? It may be, yeah. But during... When I was doing High School Musical, both sets of grandparents found a way to sit like right in front of the stage and they were close they were they were so close <laughs> so i could see them and they like they all tried to get my attention sure. like guys okay. yeah not not right now this is not the time right after Emo Nepa have already had two children that have gone through theater programs and one grandchild that's done this right so this is they should know better right. like i I'm performing. And I was, man, hey, it's like, not now. What? what? <laughs> and busy. when I was in the aisles, Nanny and Poppy were right beside me. Oh. And, they, like, the aisle seat. And Poppy I, farted. No. <laughs> one of them, like, called me, and I had to look over and be like, guys, yes, I see you. No, it's not the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, come on, she's per- this is performing right now. And this isn't like zone. elementary school either. This no. is like, a, yeah, it's this is a high school high troop. It's higher level. Let's just let her do her thing. It'd be one thing if, like, this were second grade and we're watching her at school in some kind of performance. Like, Mia, what's up? It's like no other people paid to be here. Yeah, this is an actual paid gig. Yeah. Well, we paid for her to be there. Well, so. they get paid because people have to pay to go see it. Right, right. This but is the kids don't get anything, and we don't. <laughs> yeah. We literally have to pay for her to be there. It's, it's Yeah, it's like. There are some people here who don't know any of the children in this production. That true. Personally. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Like, there are people in the community that come that just, just to enjoy community theater, which is fantastic. I right. love that. I need to get off my butt and start volunteering. <laughs> and, you know, be like an usher or something. Yeah. Anyhow, we may cut some of that. Uh, yeah, we'll probably cut a big portion of that. Anyway, okay. We get into Barracks 3, and Mare wanders around until she finds the door with the purple scarf, knowing that that's what her family has tied onto their door. And uh, she knocks because it's firmly closed. So they are definitely wanting privacy. And Brie opens the door. And I imagine he probably looks like Kool-Aid man because <laughs> his face is red from crying and so, he's giant. So right. Slab of Beef number one opens yeah. the door. Mm-hmm. Giant Slab of Beef. And what were the names that you had for them at the beginning of, the, of all of this? I don't remember. I don't remember. Cephas and something. I can't I don't remember what they were. But Cletus and... We'll have to look back at it. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody knows... Let Just us know. <laughs> laugh at it now. Goon number one, also known as Bree. Um, you know, been crying. The whole family is 
you know, upset. And, and his the first thing he says to her is, took you long enough. That's what Jillian was trying to tell her. <laughs> and exactly what she was chastising herself right. for. Right. Uh, she flinches, but doesn't retaliate. So this Aww, is, I know. She learned. She's learning. It's kind of like that one sentence where she says, I have the sense to keep my mouth shut. And it was like, finally. finally! You know, I don't retaliate. It's like, all right, just thank you. Please Th- keep you know, doing that. You know that this is not the time for poking the bear. Yes. The bear has been poked enough. Sufficiently. He puts, she puts her hand on his arm and he kind of cringes away from her too, but doesn't fully recoil. You know, he accepts a little bit of comfort. So he's mad, but he's not that mad. You know, he's like, all right, she's trying, I guess. You're still my sister, I guess. And, you know, they do realize that she's been through something as well. Yes. I mean, this was a huge battle where they could have lost both of them. Right, and she had to watch him and die. she had to watch it. Right. She's re- she even says, I'm replaying it over and over in my head, you know. So at least the family knows that she's not coming into this unscathed. Right. But they aren't going to let her off the hook either for not being their first stop. Like, oh, you had to right. go do all of this with the colonel before you could come and talk to us. That was more important than to be with your grieving family. To be fair, the colonel did not give her a choice. No, he did say you have to come with like, me to meet the twins, come the now. creepy twins, but she didn't have to put off seeing her family to go film the thing with the body. That's true. Yeah, she, she could have gone there first just, and then done that. You know, chill in the infirmary for half an hour. Right. Right. So, yeah, she was definitely putting that off, and her family knows that because they know how long the body's been back. Um, the family is in mourning. You know, mom is crying. Dad is trying yeah. his best to comfort everybody. And... You know, he's he he says we understood that you had things you had to do because he's trying to play the diplomat in this situation. Right. The last thing that he wants is the kids he has left fighting while he's trying to comfort his wife. You know, all this other stuff. He he can barely hold himself together, let alone hold his family together. Right. I can imagine. So he's he's doing his best with that as well. Um. You know, she's like, I should have been here. I brought his body back. Like, I, you know, trying to throw out every platitude that she can with this. Right. And they're like, yeah, we saw the body. <laughs> so that's, that's what Brie picks up on. Like, the, your platitudes are rejected. Smacking them away with a three-ring binder. And, you know... They're they're just devastated. This yep. is a family that's grieving. They've done this before for this same person. So right. now it's, you know, double because they've experienced this loss and now to have to actually lose him and know it's over, you know, it's just horrible. Gisa seems to be the only one who also has like a bit of revenge tinged in her sadness because she's like do you know who did this and mayor's like yup ptolemus you know saw it with my own two eyes just 
pierced yeah. his heart and he was gone. Um, so, you know, she knows that in the arena, Cal could have killed Ptolemus when he had the chance and he didn't. He showed him mercy. And because of that, now Shade is dead. So she's going to use that as another little wedge. I guarantee it with trying to keep herself from getting too close to Cal. Now Cal's responsible for the death of her brother. Honey, who are you fooling? She is going to pull a muscle reaching that hard. (laughs) (laughs) You need to stretch before you do that. You just, I mean, it's not healthy. That's not healthy. No. Tramie says he knows the name and, you know, instantly calls it out. He was one of your executioners in the Bowl of Bones. Didn't get you, got Shade instead. Like, I mean, she's just not really catching any breaks here from her brothers at all, which she knew she wasn't going to get. And that's why she was putting off this particular conversation. And also why I didn't want to try to shoehorn this conversation into last episode because this is heavy handed to her with how her family really feels yeah they understand that she's important and she's got a lot of stuff to do but they also see that she's losing the reason that she was doing this all to begin with like she's not seeing the forest for the trees or actually not seeing the trees for the forest You know, she's too focused on the big picture and is not remembering the reason why she's fighting, which is families and trying to keep families together. Right. So her, I mean, and that's the same thing Cal was expressing to her. You've changed. You've become a different person. What's going on with you? Right. And she's screaming into the void like, I've done all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. Nobody seems to be understanding her in her mind, but what she's gone through does not make you a psychopath. It can bring out tendencies of a psychopath, you know, but, but it's your choices. Exactly. That determine who you are. Exactly. She chose to go make that promo with Alara's body and show off Alara's body before going to see her family. She made that choice and they know that. And so, you know, I think that they see that she's losing her, humanity here and that's exactly what Cal had accused her of um they are um wondering how long she's going to be here or is she going to have to immediately go out on another recruiting mission yep and she's like no we're done recruiting for a while and they pick up on that as a silver lining, meaning she's going to be around for a while. She has to break the news to them. That, that is not what she means. She will be leaving again very quickly, and she will be going to the choke. And Mr. Barrow darn near stands up out of his wheelchair to declare, to the, the heck you are. <laughs> I am not going to let you go there voluntarily. All of this was to prevent you and any of the the other of my kids from ever having to go there again. Yeah. I am not, not going to let this. you I am not going to send another child there 
to die. And she's like, well, guess what? This is not your choice because if I don't go, 5,000 other parents' kids die. Right. This isn't a dadocracy. It's a meritocracy. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Big Red. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, uh, they are not happy with any of this news that she's brought to them. And she didn't want to tell them this either. So, you know, basically this conversation is becoming the worst case scenario pretty yes. quickly. And this is Mare. the one thing that Mare didn't catastrophize? No, oh, she did. That's why she just put it completely out of her mind. <laughs> well, but she wasn't like constantly thinking about it in the way of like, oh my God, everything could possibly go wrong here. Right. Right. Like she wasn't running through all of the awful possibilities for this particular conversation. Really? Girl. Yeah. So she uh, she has to explain all of this relatively quickly about, you know, basically we're going to try to cause a civil war. And, you know, <laughs> yep. she has to explain all of this to them in a way to try to make them understand why it is that she has to do what she has to do. And uh, Goon 1 and 2 go and grab their bags and they're like, okay, we're going to go too. If you're going, we're going. You're not going to leave without us. What good is it going to do for us to stay here? Right. You know, our, our tributes, attributes are better used elsewhere. Yeah. And they're, you know, basically, if we're not going to be able to stop you from going, you're not going to be able to stop us from going with you. And that's all there is to it. And I think she resigns herself to this pretty quick. She knows her brothers, and she knows she's not going to be able to argue with them. Right. And they make sense. Yeah. A lot of sense. They, between the two of them, they have, what, like almost 10 years combined up there. And they survived. And they survived. So they know, they know exactly what yeah. to, you know, how to live up there, and their information could be incredibly useful and keep a lot of these people alive. Mare tries to be like, oh, guys, but the colonel's coming. He's seen the choke, too, so there's no need for you guys to go. You don't need to come. Yeah. And, and all of this is literally just so that their dad doesn't have a heart attack. Right, because his high blood, pr his blood pressure, I'm sure, is through the roof right now. Oh, I'm sure. But they tell her that the colonel's seen it only from the Lakelander side. He hasn't seen it from the Norda side. He doesn't know what the barracks look like up there, what the trenches are, you know, all of the secrets that they can use for tactical strategies. Right. So, you know, it only makes sense to have people that have been there and have come back go again. But that's not something that most normal people are going to sign up for. No. So while they have the support, they should definitely take advantage of it. I know it's hard for the Barrows to accept, but it really does make the most sense for Slabo Beef 1 and Slabo Beef 2 to accompany her back up to the chip. Yes, yes, it is. Plus, she knows that she's become a warrior just like they, in their heart, are warriors too. 
and they're going to fight for Reds, and they're going to fight alongside Reds, and they're not going to be able to be deterred. Like, if there's a fight to fight, and everybody's, they need people to fight, we're going to go. Right. So she's not, I think she's worried about them going with her to a degree that anybody would be with family that's going into them, with going into something like that with them. But I think she's not going to stop them either, because she knows they're right. Right. But of course, um, it doesn't stop her from thinking, I hope I don't lead another brother into a grave because this is Mare. Yes. <laughs> right. So she can't just be like, oh, thank God that I have my two brothers and all their expertise and this is going to give me such an advantage. Like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. But what if they die? Right. I just hope that I'm not responsible for getting another one of them killed. And we end our chapter with, after a long moment, I realize I'm shaking. So I climb into bed next to my mother, and I let her hold me for a long while. I do my best not to cry. My best is not enough. Aw. It's like, I need to hug my mommy. Which, I mean, I totally understand that in that situation. So, And I think her mom needed to hug her just as much. As she needed her mom to hug her. So. Yeah. You know, the whole soul battery thing that we talk about. Yes. So. That was the one thing that her mom needed was to know where all of her kids are. So she can't have them all with her now anymore. But she can know where they all are. So. That's a big deal for her. Yeah. So we got, what, about 30 minutes, mm -hmm. 25 minutes? Yeah. Okay. So that's where we are at the end of chapter. This is 28, right? 28, yeah. We wanted to do a quick kind of just go over where the characters are at and kind of where their mindset's at because we know what's coming in the next chapter and yeah. everything's going to completely shift. So we kind of want to go over where all the characters' headspaces are at right now going into this new chapter because that's... So you, you remember up. how we did a little bit of a review um, when we hit the chapter 26 mark in the last book and everything changed? Mm -hmm. We're going into a similar situation right. here. Yeah. This is kind of like when you are on one of those roller coasters where it goes up and up and up and up and up and then it has like a little dip right before like the big drop. That's where we're at. That's we're right before the big drop. drop. Yeah. And once this book drops... It's it just all goes downhill right from here. into the next one. It's going to be really hard for us to take the time off in between books. But we, and need, it's to. Gonna but be, we need it. It's going to be hard <laughs> for you, everyone listening, to get through it. We're going to get through it together. We're going to get through it together. It's and then rough. we're going to have some fun before we change things up when we get into season three and just really oof, <sighs> yeah. do some real emotional damage. Yes. Yeah, it's rough. But we're all going to be in it together. Yes. So we wanted to take this moment to touch base with where everybody is geographically, emotionally. I mean, I don't think anybody's doing very well emotionally. No. Maybe Nanny. She seems like she's having the time of her life. She seems chipper. But uh, I don't, Gareth seems to be doing I. You know, <laughs> doing he's, he's having some fun. Everybody else, I think, is pretty Lori much... Lori doesn't seem to be having much problem. She's kind of just doing her thing. Yeah, Ada is, mm. you know, learning stuff. But I think everybody else is in some level of 
a circle of hell. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, Julian, Yeah. he's free from the prison now, but he was imprisoned in the first place, and he's an outcast amongst Silvers now. Yeah. He, I, I mean, this is he's a refugee <laughs> from his own country, so it's he can't be doing well. Even though Last he, of he's his not, kind. Right, even though he's not going to let Mayor know that. Yeah. He does have Sarah with him, so I mean, right. That's at a least plus. that part of it is good. We get that. We didn't see that reunion, but we know that they have been reunited, and Sarah, of course, is doing her work healing people and restoring what right. she can from the damage that's been done in the prison. And Mare is in a terrible place yeah. emotionally and mentally. Well, but, guys, when is she not? True, true. But the one thing that I think really all you need to say about her her at this moment is that she refused to have Sarah heal the mark Maven yeah. gave her. That says a lot about her mental instability going into what she's going into. And what she is relying on to keep driving her, and that is very, very toxic. I mean, we did name an episode the most toxic codependent thing ever, so <laughs> right. she's just going to keep hammering that right on through the end of this. So oh, much sure. to the fact that when Nanny turned into Maven, it made her physically ill. Yeah. Just to see his, his yeah. likeness. So, yeah, she is definitely experiencing some deep, deep emotional trauma. Yeah. That includes, you know, some sort of necromancy or whatever she's doing with the queen, wandering around with her body damn near weekend at Bernie style. <laughs> <laughs> like that definitely shows a disconnect from reality when yeah, you're was, on TV holding up the head of the person that you electrocuted. You've definitely you made some wrong decisions. Right. I was waiting for Mary to like shove her head in the in through Alara's back and start working her <laughs> mouth like a puppet, <laughs> reading the measures, but in Alara's voice, or, using yeah. her as a as a it's like okay ventriloquist okay. dummy. Yeah, she is. Not off good. the deep end, certifiable um, at this point, and has lost basically all of her emotional support. Yeah, yes. Farley is now looking at becoming a single mother right. in the middle of all of this. Lost, just lost the father of her soon-to-be child. Yeah, mm -hmm. clearly someone he she cared about deeply. Right. Now she has to go back to her dad and explain all of this. Yeah. Hi, Dad. I'm pregnant. The father's dead. What's up? What's up? You know, it was right. all. By the way, you remember that that Shade guy? That was right. that's him. Right. And thank, Shade. Thank God is, you can't kill him. Shade's dead. So <laughs> yeah. He's not. Someone else yeah. did that one for you. Right. Right. I want a webisode of how that conversation goes because <laughs> that's going to be intense. Uh, and. You know, any sign that she had that she was going to be friends with Cameron basically got decimated. Oh, yeah. So she's she's on her own here. You know, not that they've turned her back. They're back on her, but she's not uh, the center of everybody's world right now. And right. I think she's feeling kind of left out about that. I think so, too. The marry me, but give me space. Now they're giving her space, and she's like, "Hey, I want attention <laughs> again, and there's nobody here to give it to me." Look at me. Yeah, exactly. Guys, Guys. please. And you know, seems like 
right now the best friend Mare has is the colonel. Right. <laughs> and that is and Julian. It's yeah. like, wow, I'm 17 and my two best friends are older dudes. That's crazy. You know, my, yeah. those are my allies right now. So, you know, she's just, she is in a complete tailspin and that is really going to lead into what's going to happen to in the next two chapters. Yes. And then right into the beginning of book three, that spiral is going to take her down to almost literally rock bottom. Yes. Yeah. So that's intense. Cal. Let's talk about where Cal is first geographically. Back to the, he's heading back he's to the notch. He's heading back to the notch. He we don't know exactly where he currently is. Yeah. He's at about altitude. No. <laughs> yeah. In transit to the notch. En route. To go back and get all the kids that'll be jumping up and down and Cal, yelling Cal. when he Cal. gets there. Yeah. yeah. Cal. I can just imagine them pouring out the front door and attacking him <laughs> and just climbing up his legs and stuff. So cute. So cute. But back at the notch, other than the kids, we have... Let's see, who stayed behind with the kids? Lori stayed, did she not? No, no Lori's, Lori's on there. Tuck. Oh. Lori, Ada, and Darmian are, are the there. ones that are... With them on Tuck. Tuck. Uh, we know Nanny was with them at the prison, but mm -hmm. I think she went back with Cal. That would make sense. Um, my guess that would be that went back with Cal would be Nanny, Gareth, and Ketha. If I had to pick people that would want to go back and make sure everything is okay at the notch, it would probably be those right. ones. I don't know why they wouldn't, <clears throat> excuse me, take Lori to muffle any sound, but I, I mean, cause I don't know like how far out they're searching yeah. for them or if most of the attention is going to be drawn to the prison. Yeah. Did Herrick stay or did he go? Herrick stayed, uh, cause Herrick has basically not left the notch since they found That's right. the baby. So Herrick stayed with the kids um, there was a couple of other people that stayed with the kids and I can't remember who they are because there have been so many people that were introduced here at once. Anyway. Anyway, those are the people. We don't know where Cameron is. I can imagine she probably went on the jet as well. But more than anything, just to get some sleep and be with people that she knows. Aren't Mare. Aren't Mare and not cooped up in another barracks. Right. Yeah. I don't think she's going to want to go to a military base yeah. and sit in a cell when she no. can have the opportunity to fly around and, right. you know, stuff like that. I just don't see her being the kind that would sit around and. No. And she's obviously going to want to go to the notch, too. Or yeah. the notch, the. <coughs> The choke. the choke. Yeah. But I I think that uh, they're probably going to have to either go back to the notch or have the people from the notch come there because they're also going to need to take... Have the notch delivered. Cal to the choke. Yes. Could they just call Notch Hub? Yes, they need to just call up... Notch Dash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Delivered straight to your door. Yeah. Right to your door. Contactless delivery. Shipping. Yeah. Just a bunch of kids and old people show up at your door. <laughs> did you order these red fugees? <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you. Thank you. You just sign for that. Sign here. <laughs> Have a nice day. Wait, you messed up my order. I didn't get all the refugees. <laughs> <laughs> this is way too many smalls. I, pre- I thought I ordered more larges. <laughs> it's like 50 kids. <gasps> Hi, guys. No, no, no. What's up? And I don't, Cal in general, I don't know where he would be at headspace wise because he's been through so much, but he's, I think he's, he's made a connection with these kids as much as they climb all over him. I think he pr- probably has an affinity for them as well. Well, sure. I mean, the guy's got some misplaced affection right now. Right. You know, his whole family is gone. Right. Mare is not the same person nope. that. He didn't even she know was, her. and he poured his heart out to her, and she basically was like, "Cool story, bro," and like walked out the door. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, buddy. That's nice, Thanks, buddy. buddy. Yeah. yeah, hit him in the hit him in the shoulder, and have a good day, pal. And <laughs> you know, yeah. So, because she and was even he even said, "I don't think you're capable of loving anything truly." And she's just like, "Yep, bounce. I gotta bounce." <laughs> so proving his point. Yeah. For him, so he's. You know, as much as Cal is a big beefcake military strategist, inside he's a big softy. Right. And he has no one to do anything for, you know. So he he's putting all of that on the kids because these kids, most of them are orphans now too. So they need somebody just as much as he needs somebody. Right. And it's just really sweet that those two... Uh, well, the Cal and then all the kids have each other, right. so they can get through this time. Aw, I know it's adorable. I like that That's she added upside. this little, that little touch. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives everybody the hope. It's kind of like when they show the little Jedi's or whatever at the end of Rise of Skywalker, and all yeah. the little Jedi's are sweeping the brooms with the mind. You know, stuff. It's like gives you hope for the future a little bit. Yeah. This is what we're doing this for is for the next generation. Kalorn is basically just a utility player at this time. I think he wants to be wherever Mare is not, even if that means hanging out with Cal, who he's kind of formed this uh, uneasy but necessary bond with. Yep. <clears throat> strange yeah they're both uh very similar in mindset <clears throat> they both are people that step up when things require people to step up so they're going to kind of find a kinship in that with each other um sort of the way Kalorn did with was it Nix or Krantz Both, yeah, kind of. Or just kind of. Nick's more so. Yeah, it's like, well, I can't spend my day being enemies with these people. We might as well find some common ground that we can start from and we can work together. You know, Kalorn's a pretty affable, go along with the flow kind of guy. 
um, but puts his feet down when he needs to. Right. And will stand up for something when he needs to. So he is going to go, I think, where he's just the most needed, and that is more than likely back to the notch as well. Because yeah. they need as many people as they can to get all these children. Yeah, make sure all the loose ends are wrapped up there, things like that. So, you know, he is a character that I think, you know, we definitely saw a lot more emotional depth from in this book, but I still think is a pretty underutilized character. Yeah. It seems like he only pops up when he needs to give Mare a pep speech. Or be angry at her. Or be angry at her for some reason. Right. You know, I kind of want him to have his own little thing going on. And right now he seems like he's just along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. He's just following orders. Which maybe that's a good place for him to be. Maybe that's what he feels comfortable doing because, you know, he's kind of stuck in that same intern role that he was in, I guess, before, you know, he just went right from being the fisherman's intern to being Farley's intern. Yeah. For lack of a better word. So now he's, you know, yeah, now he's just like, okay, so I'm going to do this for Cal now, you know? Yeah. He's, he doesn't make a lot of decisions on his own. Yeah. He's like Watson to Sherlock, you know, he's just kind of always there. (laughs) There. Yeah. To do things. And that's his, that's his role best served. Um, and, and be real mad at Mare right now. Yeah. Which is kind of a consensus with everybody is to just be real mad at Mare right now. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. She tried to juggle so many things that she is not handling any of them well. I mean, it's not even a, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. She's just got too many irons in the fire. Yeah. Like if you use, if you tried to equate Mare to the spoon theory... Like, she is way short on spoons. You know what I'm saying? She is trying to give out spoons that she doesn't have. Right. So. She bit off way too much. Yeah. And never stopped to be like, no, I can't do this. Yeah. I need somebody else to do this. Because she can't consider that. It's not Mayor. It's just. She doesn't. She can't admit that she ever needs help. Right. Right. When I think people are more than willing to help her. If she would just release some of the control. Yeah. That's the biggest part of it. If she does not want to give up control. Everyone's been trying to help her. Yeah. Everyone's been like, girl, let me do this. Right. You don't have to be the one to be out front all the time. And then she's like, yes, I do. And now she is. And it's kind of like, and now no one is everybody. And now no one is there to help her. Yeah. Like, yeah. all the people who were willing to help her aren't there anymore because she's yeah. proven she doesn't want it. Right. She There were so many times when she was like, I feel so alone even though I'm surrounded by people. She pushed everyone away. Right. And now everybody's like, they're doing their own thing. They're like, well, I guess Mare's got this. She kept saying she has it, so. Right. Like, she, she keeps saying, I didn't ask for any of this. Well, she didn't ask to be, be a red with abilities and this situation drop in her lap but ever since then she's pretty much gotten everything she's asked exactly (laughs) exactly so she has shown where her true colors lie by what she has prioritized and even though she thinks people haven't picked up on that they have right yeah she she lives in such a a little insular bubble that she doesn't realize what people other people around her notice about her like well they don't know this no they do no they do (laughs) they know all about it 
but they just, you know, they can see what the can whole, they do? They can see the whole picture. Yeah. She's so laser focused on just the next thing that she's not thinking about everything else. Yeah. Yeah, very one-track mind. Oh, very much so. And I think she did that out of survival for a while, but now she needs to revert back to some of her humanity and she is not able to get in touch with it. Yeah, and that's And that scary. probably scares her yeah. just as much as it yeah. scares everybody else around her. But what can she do? Can she be weak? You know, the, right. the moment that the first time we've let her, seen herself be weak in several chapters is when she finally gets home curled up in the arms of her mom. Right. But so I th- that's how far she had to go to be able to show weakness. Right. But, I, but she's thinking of what she sees as weak, not necessarily what is weak, because I think the strongest thing she could do would be to ask for help and admit that she can't do it all. That takes more strength, I think, than just keeping your head down and right. pretend, ignoring the issues. Or when they got to Tuck, the strong thing would have been... I'm going to go see my family. Please respect our privacy as right. we mourn I'll the get loss with you of in our a minute. family member. I'll get with you right. in a minute on this Alara thing. Right. Or even, hey, Colonel, I know that these annoying twins are in your chambers and they've been here for like 48 hours or whatever, but I've got to go see my family. They can right. wait another two hours yeah. while I go talk to my family. Right. They've already been here for so long. Right. She made her priorities pretty well known. Yeah, she yeah. did. So it's a very much... You made your bed, now you've got a lie yep. in it type situation. Yep. And it sucks to have to say that because she has been through so much, but there were times that she could have taken another path and she just chose not to. Yes. She chose to take the path where people were going to get hurt even if she didn't need to. Yes. And justified it to herself. There's a lot of justification that she did that we talked about on the show back in the chapter of... The sun shooting when that was about to happen, and she was like, "Oh, you have start you you have a problem when you start rationalizing murder." And she's Honey. been rationalizing murder for a long oh, yeah. time. Oh yeah, and not feeling bad about it. There's no remorse. There was remorse then. She was like, "I know that I I I feel bad, but this is why this has to happen." She that has the feeling bad has gone completely away. Oh yes. It's just this has to happen. That's the way it's gonna be. Right. And that's where everybody is concerned about her and rightfully so. <laughs> rightfully so. Very she much so. is experiencing a break yes. big time. I don't know what kind of break you would describe it. Sociopathic. Psychotic? I don't know. I don't even think it's psychotic. I think it's sociopathic because it's in her interactions with those around her. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's not she's not having like delusions or anything like that. She's just not um she's, she's just not so- connecting with She's the- disassociating herself from yeah, everyone. Yeah, big time disassociation and trying to remove herself from a part of yourself that you can't when you remove that part of yourself and you sever those ties you become what i would consider a sociopath you've you've removed yourself from society you've been like there's me and then there's the rest of society and how they behave and, that, and this none is of that how applies I to behave. me right 
that doesn't apply to me. This is how I behave in my own little corner. Right. And I think we saw a lot of that in her at the very beginning. She lived on the fringes of society. Right. But she thought, and and kind of rightfully so, that she had to. She needed to do that for her family. Could she have found something else? Probably. But she chose to stay on the fringes. Fine. You know, but now she is, she's definitely faced with choices where she could make the more humane choice, and she is clearly not doing it. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So it is all just about right now what is best for Mare and Mare's survival. And that is not what we had seen previously. So the more she thinks she's taking care of everybody else, the more she's actually isolating and insulating and just becoming unself-aware. Like right. that is wearing away and she's right. retracting back into her own world. Yeah, for sure. And oh, we talked about Farley already. I mean, she really we don't know exactly where she is mentally. We know that she's got to be going through a lot, but we haven't seen her since they got back. The only thing, like when I think of Farley right now, I just keep flashing forward a little bit, and and the only thing that can come to mind is just potatoes. (laughs) Like, keep that in mind when it comes to Farley, because potatoes are going to become a big part to do with Farley in the next book. (laughs) I mean, because she's pregnant, so she's just carrying around plates of potatoes everywhere. Potatoes, it's so funny. She's never doesn't have potatoes. Always has potatoes. It's hilarious. That's a little bit of an insight for. Book three, for those of you that haven't read it, when you're going to be. So there will be more Farley. She's not going anywhere. We get a lot more Farley in the next book, and she's always going to have potatoes. (laughs) We got got a lot more uh, Cameron, too, don't we, in the next book? Unfortunately, we get. Infinitely more amounts of Cameron. Um, But I'm excited to talk about Cameron when we get to the fan casting episode because every episode of yellow jackets i watched this season that has that actress in it i'm more and more just like she needs crystal to be our camera. crystal the character you're okay. talking about yeah is crystal uh she is so annoying wow so <laughs> annoying it's it's unbelievable uh she is she is definitely going to be my choice for cameron so we'll get to that that's going to be exciting um cameron is basically our loose cannon at this point she is yeah. not really attached to anybody or anything except the promise that she's been made that once she did her part that they're going to help her go find her brother. Which is supposedly where they're going next. Right. I mean, Mare has just gone in and told her family that that's where she's going. So, so maybe, that's her intention. Even got the colonel in, in on it. He's even... Yeah. They are going to... You know, none of them feel good about letting 5,000 children march to their death. In right. Operation Human Shield. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure that's not what it's called, uh, but that's what it's called on this show. Um, I, uh, Maven, we don't know. We know yeah. that I mean Maven's on the world tour. He's but he's setting these little surprises for Mayor up until the whole prison thing. Mm-hmm. We don't know what exactly his. I mean, we know he's Maven. He's toying with her like he is. Oh, does. he is yes. in the grips of madness. But right now, now. Alara's dead. The only thing that's going to keep Maven from completely flying off the handle is knowing that there are people out there that are at least somewhat against him. So he can't. 
while we do see him exact a level of extreme power in the next book, it's hard to talk about it without actually saying it. And I don't want to say it yet because we're not there. Not there. But I, I think the only thing that keeps him from just being an absolute tyrant is knowing that there are very powerful members of very powerful houses that are teetering. And if he goes full tyrant, outwardly full tyrant, then... There may be a civil war, right, which is he the may, worst thing if, for him. Right. He may cause the civil war, and that's not right. what he wants. If if that's going to happen and they're going to cause it, then that's going to be on them, but he's not going to be the one that's going to be the... Right. That's going to tip it over. I think with Alara gone, it's harder for him to deal with that stuff, too, because she probably saw that would be like, we can't do this, because she right. knows that game. Right. right. He's still young. But and he's petty. Just detangling himself from whatever level of control she had over his thoughts right. at any given time. Right. And but behind closed doors, there's nobody to hold him back now. He can do yep. whatever he wants as long as it doesn't get out. Until right. somebody stops him. <laughs> Which at this point, nobody's going to. Not as far as he thinks. Right. As long as people don't find out. Yeah. You know, he doesn't think that the any anybody that would know that he's murdering babies is going to be able to get to anybody of any high level with any kind of proof that he's murdering babies. Right, but they're so. red babies. Some silvers may not even probably don't be like probably wouldn't even care. Red baby. Right, right. So he's basically going to be left unchecked, except for the very, very high levels of houses that he has to answer to. Right. Regardless, you yes. know what I mean. How Samos is still obviously on his side. Yeah. But there's going to be like. House of Rawl that has a lot of money and yes. a lot of status and has been a, at least somewhat of a vocal uh, opposition. Right, so, but he is still king. Right, but he knows that he needs to rely on these people for support and that if things are already tenuous with his new monarchy, air quotes, that he's he he knows he's smart enough to know there is a line that he has to toe in public. Right. But the point I was making is when he's not in public, he can do whatever he wants and nobody is going to stop him. Right. As long as he controls the narrative ultimately. Right. Yeah. If yep. it doesn't get out, he can do whatever. Yes. Yes. And an unchecked maven is not a good thing. No. No, it is not. But I think he does know that Cal is out there somewhere. And as long as Cal is out there somewhere, he's going to have a fear that all of this could come to an end. Right. And also, beyond all of that, obsessed with getting a hold of Mare. Yes. Oh, yeah. He is not going to rest we can't until let she that is back with him. Uh, go unstated enough. Still... From several chapters back, absolutely obsessed with getting Mare. Her birthday is supposed to be like in three months or whatever. It's and he assured soon. that they were going to spend it together. So he knows he's on a TikTok mission to get Mare mm -hmm. under his control. So now he doesn't have to worry about, I think this may have been the point you guys were speaking to, is he doesn't have to worry about Alara trying to 
make him remember that some of that part of it and he can let that obsession come through more. Yeah. Yes. Because that would have been the obsession that Alara would have been quelling or not really feeding as much. Yeah. And now... Kind of keeping him on a different track of we yes. have more important things to worry about. Yeah. yeah, and now she's gone and so that can become the most important thing that he focuses on and I think we will see some turns in these next couple chapters that will show that that quickly comes to the forefront of all he is thinking about. Yes. Especially after he knows that they were at the prison. Yes. Right before he was supposed to be there. And now she's responsible for the death of his mom. Mm -hmm. The last quote unquote family he has left. But you have to wonder. Did, how. How much did John know from his ability and how much was he had he heard or was he told right we don't know we still don't know you know we don't know if he was some sort of plant or anything like that we just know the information that we got from mayor as far as he said if you wait past this day you're gonna die and they know that if they would have waited past that day Maven would have been there. More than likely, they probably would have. And the answer to Farley's question was yes, and whatever effect that had on her, which I still don't think she gets. I still think Mare's like... She has Whoa. no clue. don't think she has any idea. And I don't even think she's entertaining the thought of, like, that was something that's important. No. She's just like, whatever... That was it, a throwaway line. Whatever it is, it shut Farley up. I'm good. Right. Even though she should have been like... Wow, that's an odd reaction for Farley. I should, uh, maybe I should maybe ask, see if she's okay. Yeah. I should nope. pull my head out of my butt and make sure that the closest friend and ally I have right now is okay. No, nope. All right, just gonna keep on going about myself. That's what she does, and it's gonna get her in some serious trouble. Yes, yeah. it is. Some serious trouble, big time. So that is where we will finish today and we will pick back up next week with uh, what is the penultimate uh, chapter in our coverage, but the final chapter of the book because then the epilogue will be a separate deal. Um, I believe we're going to cover the epilogue in a separate episode. Yeah. Probably. We yeah. may even, I don't know if we'll wind up splitting yeah, we might chapter have to split the last chapter into two. And if we do, there may be space for the epilogue in the second part. Yeah. We'll see. But either way, these next two uh, chapters are going to be at least two episodes, maybe three episodes, and then we will finish up Glass Sword, and we will get into all of the bonus episodes afterwards. We've got fan casting. We've got recap. We've got uh, all of that kind of stuff that we're going to do in between uh, seasons two and season three. So we really appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. Uh, jump over to Instagram and give us a follow there. It is at Reading with the Rockefellers. Email us uh, fan casting and fan art ideas. That address is readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. Uh, we have all of our season one episodes available in video format over on YouTube. And that channel is Reading with the Rockefellers. And then finally, we have our website. And that's where you can find all of these episodes for download, our fan art, our blog, 
and all of that info on where to find the show. So we thank you guys so much for hanging in there with us, and we will be back next week with another discussion episode. Bye. 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 Bye.